0: welcome back to the metal exchange Justin and Chris here with you for another week how you doing bud good <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a little a little disclosure before before we went on the air we were just going over some uh, technical details and I was getting about as much information at as out of him as some of the other musicians did on the album we're going to discuss today but that that's neither here nor there how are you really doing uh
1: i'm I'm okay i uh I um I, I, today was a very interesting day. I had a lot of work going on. I got to listen to a lot of stuff. I, I got to listen to the album that we're going to discuss today, uh, one more time. And, uh, but, um, it, it it is Friday and, and I'm just happy that it is the weekend. So yeah, spoiler: we don't record live on Monday morning, so this
0: is coming out a, a couple days uh, later than than we're than we're talking about. It's been a long week, and I think we're both a little punchy, so uh, that'll make for something. I don't know what it'll make for, but it should be it should be interesting. Before we get to Ingve, uh, the 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 living legend, what what did you uh, hear this week that that kind of resonated with you?
1: Uh, a couple of things I, I wanted to mention. Um, the uh the band there's a new band called dark horse white horse uh and they're fronted by former stream of passion vocalist uh marcella bovio they came out with a five-track ep that was released today um called dark horse white horse um it's uh she she along with the um guitar player and the uh, I believe keyboard player that were formerly in Revamp, which was uh, Floor Jansen's band in between after Forever and Nightwish. Uh, they the three of them got together to make this. Uh, it's kind of like a in the same vein as Stream of Passion was. Uh, I really enjoy it, and I think I mentioned to you earlier. It's some of the the most um, intense vocals I've heard Marcella do. Um, so uh, definitely worth checking out. And uh, also came out today. Was um, Marius uh, Danielson's third um, Legend of Valley Doom album, which is kind of this, you know, kind of his um, his own story with a, a ton of of guest vocalists, um, not the least of which are Ralph Sheepers from Primal Fear, Olaf Hare, who um, sang with Luca Turilli on some of his old, older solo albums, Herbie Langens from um, from Firewind and also was on the last, uh, Avantasia album or two, uh, Daniel Hyman from, uh, Lost Horizon, Alessandro Conti from, uh, Trick or Tree and Luca Turley's Rhapsody, Tommy Johansson from Majestica, Alessio Garavello f- uh, from A New Tomorrow, formerly Power Quest, Tim Ripper Owens, Jonas Heidgert from Dragonland, Matthias Blad from Falconer, Elisa Martin <laughs> from, uh, <laughs> X Darkmoor, um, Marco Pastorino from Temperance, Melissa Boni from uh, Ad Infinitum. Um, I mean, there's a number of others, uh, but those are the the ones that I was most familiar with. And then not not to mention also some guest spots um, on guitar from Aaron Lucason, Tommy Johansson, Bill Hudson, uh, Timo Summers to name a few, uh, and not to mention um, uh, some keyboard guest keyboarding from... Uh, Derek Sherinian of Sons of Apollo, formerly Dream Theater, so um, a lot going on. Um, I enjoyed this a lot. It's it's kind of I I, I kind of called it the uh, the a, the avantasia of of like kind of the cheesy power metal genre. If um if that's your if that's your bag, um, get on this because uh, yeah, it's funny I, you I, mentioned I,
0: this. It's the the, the amount of, of of talent that's on this disc. is... Is absolutely incredible, and this is like like you said, his third release, and every album is just packed. I mean, absolutely packed with with just an all star cast of characters that that are on this thing. It's almost too much because it's just like all over the place, but somehow it works, and it works really, really well. Um, I I I I I think, like you said, it's it's like Avantasia but cheesier and on steroids. It's just because it's so much stuff that's packed into into these discs but it's so cool to hear all these musicians uh you know working together on some of these tracks it's it's really well done and i i only got to listen to it once but i'm going to spend a lot of time with it because i i definitely enjoyed it and I, i enjoyed the last two so this 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 is no different
1: yeah and then um two other quick notes um Night Flight Orchestra released another single today called White Jeans, and it's pretty much what you'd expect from a song called White Jeans <laughs> and from a band like Night Flight Orchestra. And the um, video is speak- um
0: something to see.
1: Yeah, uh for sure. And uh another cool thing that I I don't know if it came out today. I think it did actually, was a um a collaboration between Pelike and Charlotte Wessels, formerly of Delane. Uh they came out with a track. I guess Pelike – um is releasing these, uh, this is, I believe is the fifth track from his upcoming album, dark in the shadow. And, um, he, the, 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 so, the, track's called revolution, uh, retaliation. And, and these are two of my favorite singers. So hearing them together was really, really cool. But, um, you know, I was going to ask you, but we never really got a chance to discuss it. You know, is saying that this is going to be the first ever, uh, what is it that he described it as? Uh, an NFT, a non fungible token. Yeah. So um, you were going to explain to me what that is. And and since we're here, um, maybe you can do that uh, on the show here. All right. It's a little bit of a lesson for everybody, I guess. Uh, You know, you've heard of all these um, currencies,
0: Bitcoin and and now Dogecoin and all these other um, cryptocurrencies, if you will. NFTs are basically pieces of art. And in this case, obviously, songs or music. Uh, You see it with artwork. You see it with songs, you see it with other written pieces as well, and they basically, and I'm going to make this as clear and concise as possible because it's kind of an abstract concept, but it's basically employing the same technology that's used for some of these cryptocurrencies in terms of the security measures and whatnot that are used behind those cryptos and tying them to exclusive pieces of art in this case, music or songs, uh, to to basically give the listener not only exclusivity of ownership, but also uh, tie it to what's known as the blockchain, which is what supports the, the cryptocurrencies. If that meant nothing to you, I'm not going to be able to explain it any clearer. There are a million articles out there, but it is something that I've seen actually other musicians do as well. And it really is fascinating to me because I think this... Uh, you know, in, in this digital age that we're in, where where people are not really buying CDs or records as much as they might have been in the past, with Spotify and 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 all those other services, this is a way for artists to uh, to, to monetize what's going on. And if you have any other questions, not you, but if any of the listeners have any questions, <laughs> I'll be happy to engage them off off of this podcast because we've probably put half of them to sleep at this point.
1: Yeah, we're going to start a new a new podcast called Justin Explains uh Things. modern day finances. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Um so I you know he so Pelike on the YouTube uh video um said that this is gonna be the first ever uh NFT album. Um but I did a little digging and I believe Kings of Leon have already done something like this before. So um either way, I mean I'm not surprised that Pelike would be at the forefront of something like this because he he really, you know, when it like uh you know with twitch and other things he always seems to be kind of on the cutting edge of technology and music and so um uh all these tracks that he's been releasing have been with having uh guests on them so that's been interesting but this has definitely been um the song that was the most interesting to me because of charlotte's um involvement in it so uh yeah yeah. i'm Uh,
0: curious to hear the album i probably um and I'm quite frankly, I'm curious just from the the academic in me is curious to see where the whole NFT craze goes. Um, I've read a lot about it and it's something I'm kind of interested in. I, I, I'm not sure how well it will do in this kind of niche genre, but I'm I'm curious and he's obviously got my support. So best of luck to him. Yeah, same here. Uh, keep funging. <laughs> a couple of things I just would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, the new Flotsam and Jetsam song. They're a thrash band. They've been around for decades. Uh, they released a new single uh, earlier this week or a couple weeks ago, I guess, called Burn the Sky. Maybe about a month ago now. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal song from a band that's just you know a, a, an American thrash band that's been around forever. Uh, I had never really heard of these guys up until their last album. For some reason, I just never listened to them. Their last album, The End of Chaos, was great. Uh, I saw them on 70,000 tons of metal last year, and and then the single really just blew me away. So that's something I'm going to post this week, and I think it's worth checking out. And one other uh, album that I think is something I'm very much looking forward to. A band called Crown, C-R-O-W-N-E, released a single called Percival. Uh, somebody's name, obviously, came out on Frontiers. It is exactly what you'd expect on Frontiers. I mean, it's that typical uh, melodic metal that that they're known for. Um, Swedish band, and just really, really, really well done, and, and something that is... Uh, I I really can't just recommend enough. It's just really well done melodic metal. And I think you'd particularly like it yourself Uh, just by way of uh, it's another one of those super groups. It's the singer from Art Nation. It's the guitarist and keyboard player from Heat, uh, another one of my favorites, uh, the bassist from Europe and uh, the drummer from The Poodles. And when you put it together, you just have a really awesome single that I want to hear more more about.
1: Uh, I've never heard of The Poodles before.
0: Really? Yeah. Should I have? Uh, yeah, I think, I think you might, I think you might enjoy them. I, I, that's, uh, maybe that'll be next week's album, but, uh, no kidding aside. I think that, uh, I, I think you'll enjoy it. It's, it's, it's typical. Uh, it's more of the stuff in this vein. They have a little bit more of a, in my, in my ears, a more of like a alternative vibe to it, I guess, but, uh, I, I think you might like it. Okay. Good. I'll make a note of it. Very good. Um, and now for the reason why we are here, Yngwie Malmsteen's marching out, um, where do I start with this? How did you first hear of Ingve Malmsteen? And probably more importantly, how did you learn to pronounce his name? <laughs> um, you mean
1: Yngwie <laughs> <Ying-wee> Malmsteen? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Uh, so... Um, there was an uh, there were two Ingvae songs on the uh, mixtape that Ralph made for me in in high school that kind of introduced me to metal and and both songs were from the 1994 Seventh Sign album and it was uh, t- also happened to be two instrumental songs so it was um, Brothers and um, I'm blanking on the other one it was kind of a, a mellow tune. Um, anyway um sorrow it was it was sorrow um so uh, to my understanding Ingve was uh was an instrumental uh band or, or person or whatever an Ingve Malmsteen is <laughs> um but I, brothers to this day still one of my my favorite Ingve songs just really for for just a a guitar song it, it's really such an emotional song um through uh, eventually getting a hold of the entire album and realizing that there's actually a lot of talented musicianship going on besides this guitar virtuoso that is Ingve. Um, he's had a laundry list of, of incredible vocalists and and um, keyboard players and drummers, and we're definitely going to talk about a couple of them that were on the the uh, the, the uh, marching out album. But Ingve um, definitely stood out because there wasn't really a lot of other neoclassical uh, metal artists that I was aware of at the time. So, um, and I know our friend Brian really, as somebody who played guitar himself, he really, um, I-, I don't know if obsessed would be the word, but it was pretty close. I mean, he went and bought every single Ingve uh, album that existed uh, up until that point. Which... Yeah. And to be clear at this point, you know, this is like
0: 98, I guess at this point, 98, 99. Um, you had mentioned your exposure to The Seventh Sign, which it, quite frankly is his most, I don't want to say popular, but it, it sold, I think, the most albums of, of all of his albums. And I think it actually um, uh, charted really high in Sweden, not 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 too surprisingly. But th- a lot of those early 90 Ingve albums didn't make their way over here. So you had to really dig to track some of this stuff down. Marching Out was kind of always available. It was one of the bigger releases here but for whatever reason when 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 metal if you will fell out of favor in the in the early 90s those yngwie albums that came afterwards were like impossible to get unless you imported them or got them used Uh, like i i remember without giving away too much magnum opus was an album that i was trying to get my hands on for forever but i couldn't find it i couldn't i couldn't get it anywhere even though it had come out in 1995
1: that's a very bombastic story. <laughs> uh, shout out to Nops. Um Yeah, I I remember just being able to find a copy of Seventh Sign was hard to do. I remember the uh, the like we were always on the lookout for it, and and I think somebody had found it at, at Mister Mister Cheapo's, and I think Brian like got there first thing in the morning and snagged it, and and Mike got mad at him for because I think Mike was the one who told him about it, and then. Brian like went out and stole it. So um, that was, uh, but I, I, man, I didn't, I think I got it on eBay years later. Like it was just kind of hard. You couldn't find it in a store. Like you said, same with Magnum Opus. Um, that was, I think the last album that Brian needed to finish his collection. And I remember for his birthday, I think I ordered it. I imported it from like CD now for like 25 bucks uh, and gave it to him as a birthday gift to complete his collection. So, um, yeah, those two albums uh, both happen to have um, uh, Mike Vessera on vocals. They were they were hard to find in the U.S. I think they've been since um, re-released. Yeah, yeah. There's there's um, new. I think like all of Ingvae's albums were, were remastered or re- re- reissued in some form or fashion at some point. I mean, I'm just looking at the um, the Wikipedia page, and Seventh Sign has like four different album covers in its <laughs> in its lifetime. So. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my um, introduction to to Ingve, and and um, it wouldn't be until a lot later that I would start to to dig um, further into his his back catalog. I didn't really get into anything either beyond this era either, as far as going forward. Um, I it, it was more like I would go back and listen to some of the. Um, the real like ingvey hits like you know i'll see the light tonight which is going to be on um marching out or or um you know uh you don't remember i'll never forget like some of those uh real you know classic 80s ingvey tunes um but I, i've never really been a huge Ingve guy but i definitely enjoy his his older stuff and, and this um this wasn't uh, any exception. Uh, the first time I listened to it, like straight on through, I, I was kind of a yawner for me. And, and maybe it was just from coming off of spending a week listening to Seven Spires. Um, it, it's, I mean, you're going back to 1985. It's not the greatest, uh, you know, production values. Um, so I, I think I, it took a little time for me to kind of get into that mindset if you will. But once I did, I ended up really um, enjoying the album quite a bit. How about you? So just by way of,
0: uh, just to go back a little bit, again, during this time, I was kind of really into The Seventh Sign. I loved it. I loved Viserra's vocals. And then I kind of went back and I cherry picked the albums that I got um, in the back catalog. And, and, And one of the ones that I actually got was his 1989 live album, Trial by Fire, live in Leningrad, and I, that was really just so I could hear, um, you know, a, a, a nice swath of, of of songs in one place. And I, I mean, it's a pretty decent live album. I don't I don't think it's his. I don't, it's not the best live live album I've ever heard, but it was enjoyable enough. Uh, but I one of the reasons that I actually chose this particular album is because I always thought that you know. We both love Soto's vocals, and this is really where he got his start. Uh, To this day, I am not 100% sure how Yngwie Malmsteen and Jeff Scott Soto got hooked up in 1984. I'm not really sure how that happened, but he appears on both of those first two Yngwie releases. And then after that, it's really just like a who's who of of vocalists on on every disc until – uh, you know, until his last album or two where 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 he actually just sings leads himself. Uh but I, I you know, I I went back and I listened to this album and, and the first thing that that strikes me is this is an all-star cast in terms of like just all across the board. You have Ingve obviously, you know, shredding and, and, and doing his, doing his thing on guitar, Soto who I mentioned on lead vocals. Uh, the Johansson brothers on keyboards and drums, Jens on keyboards and Anders, uh, on drums from, from Hammerfall and, 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 Stradivarius, obviously with Jens and then Marcel Jacob on bass. I mean, this is literally a who's who in American metal, uh, or I should say in metal in 1985. It's, it's, it's remarkable. Who's actually playing on this disc.
1: Yeah. I, I never realized until, you know, years later that, um, you know, Jens Johansen was in Ingve's band for quite some time. Um, probably one of the, the longest tenured, uh, Ingve band members, which, I mean, if he was in the band for a year and a half, that would put him in the top five right there. But I'm, <laughs> it, it's, I, I, then like, you know, seeing, uh, Anders Johansson would later end up being a drummer for Hammerfall, like you mentioned. And, um, Marcel, uh, Marcel Jacob, who, um, would end up being in Talisman with Jeff Scott Soto years later. Um, yeah, I mean, this is quite, quite the lineup. And Ingve would continue to bring in these, these hired guns, uh, so to speak, um, to, to be on his album. I mean, this is the Jeff Scott Soto's second and, and final, uh, album. I believe he does a couple of tracks on the, um, there's an album that Yngwie, uh covers album called inspiration. And I think Jeff might've come back to sing. I think a, a bunch of Ingve's uh, old vocalists came back. I think uh, Joe Lynn Turner and um, I forgot who else, but I believe that he might've come back to do some songs on that album. But um, this was the end of Jeff Scott Soto being in Ingve's band uh, after two full albums, which some other vocalists wouldn't even make it to that many, but um. I, one of the things that that struck me was that i mean if you didn't tell me i wouldn't have been able to tell you that that was jeff scott soto from listening to it i mean obviously he's a lot younger uh at this point in time he's what uh is he he was born in in 1965 so he's 19 years old at the time yeah it that that, that to me was one of the things that stuck out and we had actually discussed
0: that you know, earlier in the week you know obviously uh offline He's, Soto sounds so different, but you know something? You can see the talent is there. I don't think he sounds particularly great on this disc, but I'll say this. I found a recording, uh, that I guess it was a live show that they had done in Tokyo that same year that the album came out. And when you listen to the live recording, that is the Soto that you, that you know to this day. It just, it sounds better. He he's obviously a fantastic live singer, and and I guess his voice is just not as high pitched. So it's more of what you're used to in tones in terms of that like soulful sound that that he sings with. Uh, I'm definitely gonna post that video as well, just because I think it's worth people at least taking a little bit of a look at because he really stands out in, in that concert.
1: Yeah, and now that I'm looking at it, um, you know, Soto does do vocals on that inspiration album. He does the vocals for uh the uh Kansas cover of Carry On Wayward Sun, and he does uh the rainbow cover of Gates of Babylon, and he does the uh deep purple cover of Mistreated. So um I, I guess uh he him and, and Joe Lynn Turner and Mark Bowles had all come back together to record this album with Ingve doing a bunch of these covers from uh, Deep Purple and the Scorpions and Rush and and uh, you know Jimi Hendrix. So um, this actually this might have been the first Ingvae album I owned actually because it was one of the ones that was newer that you could actually find for whatever reason. This had um, a U.S. distributor um, and maybe Seventh Sign did, but then it just they it did, they didn't keep it in uh in stock after its initial release um because i never saw it in stores but this i actually picked up um in the store i remember buying it and um i remember i think brian borrowed it more than i think he had it more than i did but, <laughs> that um, does not surprise me it was like the gateway drug for him yeah i think i ended up giving it to him at a certain point just because he didn't have it um because i don't think i have the disc anymore but um yeah i think this was oddly enough my, my first Ingve album so a little Side sidetrack there, but yeah. All right, so I want to get I want to get
0: into marching out, right? I I think that we can both agree that the the intro track is a complete waste of one minute, right? Prelude. It's just I mean it's literally nothing until it blasts into I'll see the light
1: tonight. Yeah, I mean it's pretty much just what you're going to come to see from Ingve for the next thirty years of just him showing that you know he is this this master of his art at, at playing guitar. So if you're like really into, uh, guitar work, then something like this is going to be really interesting. But if you're looking to get into the meat and potatoes where there's going to be vocals and other, other stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a, a minute long delay to <laughs> one of the best songs on the album. I'll see yeah, the light it's, it, tonight.
0: It's, it to me, this I'll see the light tonight was probably my favorite Ingve song may still be my favorite Ingve song. I just think it's such a well written song. And, and I say that because, yeah, you have a phenomenal guitar solo, but the song itself is just so catchy and so powerful. Um, it really sets the table for the album and, and kind of sets it up for disappointment, at, at least for me, just because it's such a great tune. And, and I know it's a popular song and it's a, it's a song that you always hear him play live but but to me it just holds up so well and and every time i hear it I, it just puts a smile on my face i love that song it's not going to be my song of the week for reasons i'll get to but it easily could have been because i i i just think it's 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 one of his best in its in his entire catalog and it's obviously easy to say that because it's you know popular but it's 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 just that good i i love that song
1: yeah there was uh there was a long period of time where this was the only song that i knew from this album um until I heard I am a Viking, uh, because Soto was playing it on, um, his solo show at, at Prague power. So, um, I started listening to that. And so then I knew two songs from marching out up until this week. And now I know all of them. So uh, I want to get into some of these deeper cuts. What do you think of the rest of the album? I I know your thoughts on I'll see the light. Yeah, it's, it's, um, if it's, it's hit or miss, I think, um, I ended up, by the time I was done with it, um, I ended up really liking it quite a bit. Um, there's some songs that I think stick out um, for me that I wasn't familiar with uh, Disciples of Hell being one of them, and um, Soldier Without Faith being the other. I think those were my two favorite songs that I was not familiar with. Um, but, uh, you know, Caught in the Middle. I ended up really enjoying uh, "Don't Let It End." How it kind of um, starts out kind of like a ballad and then just kicks into high gear. Um, I still think "I Am a Viking" in spite of its insane lyrics is um, <laughs> uh, is a pretty good song. It's more of a, a mid tempo Ingve song. Um, and then there's you know you have your your instrumental tracks here and there, which you're always going to get. On an Ingvae album, but um, you know, overall there's there's a uh, there's a lot to like. Um, you know, like I said, some songs better than others, but uh, I, I overall um enjoyed everything. Quite, you know, quite a bit. I don't think there was anything that I didn't enjoy. I'll say that.
0: I think that this suffers from what many Yngwie albums do, which is that there's some great songs. Inve- and Sorry, sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, 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 exactly. Some, some great songs and then some filler. Not that the, not, not that the songs are bad. I, I just think that some stand out way above the rest. The intro to disciples of hell with that acoustic guitar, uh, the classical acoustic guitar, phenomenal, just a phenomenal intro to a, a what's otherwise a pretty damn good tune. Um, that really stuck out to me. Uh, when you think of us, like when I when I first heard Don't Let It End, the third track, I immediately thought of like an old Dio track, just not as well done, <laughs> uh, just in terms of the song itself. But I, I got this real Dio vibe there. I, I think we're going to differ on I Am A Viking. I just think it's the most over-the-top, self-indulgent thing. But at the same time, I can appreciate why in 1985 it was probably a big deal and quite frankly why they released it as the single from the from the album, uh, not not my thing but you know i guess soto makes it a little bit more tolerable my track of the week though is is was the biggest surprise on the album and that was anguish and fear the seventh track on this album blew me away and and I guess I either had heard it and forgot about it or maybe I never heard this song i or it just never resonated with me anguish and fear was the one track that I could not wait to get to each and every time I I, I heard this album. Uh, And, and, and and the reason I think was because it reminded me of, of a Stradivarius track that would wind up coming out 10 years later. um, Just with those, with, 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 with a a Yen Johansson keyboard solo, which I never expected to hear on an invade disc because I didn't think that solos that were not guitar were allowed on his discs Phenomenal track. I I just absolutely love that. And and in, in my notes, I even have it as quote, Stradivarius preview, because that's what it was to me.
1: I remember when uh vh1 had come out with their uh, do you remember the name of it it was like a history of metal like a 10-part series yeah um, i remember that i, I, I think metal, metal evolution was yes that what it was that's, called? It. that's right so it was this really well done um documentary, documentary. series and uh I mean, my only complaint about it was that I feel like it only really skimmed the surface about uh, on a lot of stuff. But I believe it was the I believe it was the power metal episode uh, they were talking about Ingve, and they and they did shine a spotlight on the fact that uh, Jens Johansson and and Ingve in those early days w- would really feed off of one another, especially in a live setting because they were both so good at their, their respective instruments that it, it created this really great synergy that, that you really, uh, I think is, is missing after Jens leaves Ingve's uh, band. And he takes that right into Stradivarius, which might as well be like the, 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 the finish. You know, stepbrother of of the Yngwie, the early Ingve albums because sure. Timo Tolkien clearly uh, was inspired by Ingve's style, and and bringing in Jens Johansson to be the keyboarder for Stradivarius is kind of cements that. But um, I I totally agree with you. I I got a lot of um, early Stradivarius vibes from different parts of this album which you know I, I don't think i ever really appreciated until now and uh I, yeah I, I agree with you like hearing that very that that keyboard sound that is so uh unique to jen's and to hear it on this this old uh Yngwie album that was released four years prior to Stradivarius's first album and um you know Ten years before Jens would even be in Stradivarius, um, very cool stuff. Um, it's, I mean, at all the musicianship is really good. I mean, it's it's easy for Ingve to kind of um, drown everything out because he's such a, I mean, not loud volume, but just he's just such a loud personality, and his playing even even that comes through in his playing as well. It's so. Um, bomb bomb I said it bombastic. Bombastic. It's, it's, I was waiting for it I was waiting for uh, it. it but it's also it's also so uh it, it's so prominent like it like he makes you pay attention to what he's doing because he's so good at it and and listen <laughs> it's mixed that way on purpose right i mean in other words they they could
0: certainly mix these albums in a different way where the other instruments would would pop a little bit more but you know, it's, it's Inveig's baby. And, and, and that's why, you know, that's why they are, they're, they're produced and they're, they're mastered the way they are. Uh, You know, and no one
1: was playing guitar like this at this time, you know no, like, and that's
0: the thing in other words, there are a billion guitar players out there that are that are phenomenal in their own right, but you know at this point that I, you know he was kind of one of the first to to take this neoclassical style and really bring it to prominence and I think that that explains much of his early success and why some of his early albums sold like crazy and and he made a fortune off of them uh you know it's it's I mean, listen, the guy is, the guy is a phenomenal guitar player and, and, and you can see his training videos and they're kind of some of the funniest things you've ever seen just because he's like, all right, I'm going to teach you how to play this. And then all of a sudden he just starts shredding and nobody knows what to do because, you know, he's obviously, he's, you know, a a master musician, but at the same time, uh, you know, now I think with using a little bit of revisionist history and, 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 hindsight, there are a lot of phenomenal guitar players that can play in this style except i think that he was probably one of the first
1: yeah at least the first to the really uh become prominent and well known and other and than the, like a
0: richie blackmore or something like
1: that but right. you know right. Dave
0: was you know the the next step in that progression
1: yeah and and this is in a time where you know somebody like this is just begging for attention because you know, metal is so big, especially in the U.S. in the in the mid '80s. So, um, you know, Ingve had success in the in the states in the '80s, uh, mostly because he showed up at the right time. I mean, if, if he had come out in 1992, I, I don't know that as many people would even be aware of, of who he is at this point. I just think the timing had a lot to do with it as well. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. It's one of those one of those things. All the talent
0: in the world, right place, right time. And to his credit, right backing band, and and that's why I think he kind of blew up from here. Uh, I think the last track, Marching Out, just getting back to the album for a second, really cool instrumental track, a a very nice way to end the album and kind of puts the whole thing together. Some of those tracks, After Anguish and Fear, On the Run Again, Soldier Without Fate, Caught in the Middle, unremarkable, I I guess is the way I would put it. Uh, I know that supposedly Soto wrote the lyrics to a lot of this stuff, there's debate as to who actually wrote these songs themselves. I've heard, I've seen I've seen obviously Ingbe saying that he writes every note of every album. I've seen Soto saying that that's not 100 percent true. It doesn't really matter much to me either way. I just listen to it for what it is. Some of these tracks, uh, you know, towards the end, they'll just kind of run together for me. Not that they're bad; they're just unremarkable, I guess. And and ultimately, I think I find that about a lot of Ingbe albums: a couple of phenomenal standout tracks, and then the rest is just kind of like eh really good guitar work, you know, g- good song, not great.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to disagree with any of that. I think that, um, I think the following release trilogy, um, I, I think that I want to say that that was his, the first Ingve album that, that, that had a little bit of polish to it. it, it like, I feel like marching out, it, it sounds a little bit raw and, and mind you, you know, it came out in, in 1985. So it's gonna, but I think that, um, I mean, it was, I thought it was very, um, jarring when marching out ended and then, tr- and then trilogy would just start cause it was next in my iTunes. And, you know, you don't remember, I'll never forget comes on. And, and I think that there's a, a stark difference, at least from a production value, it just sounds a little bit more polished. And, uh, I ended up like leaving it on and being like, man, like, Liar and Queen and Love, like these songs are phenomenal awesome. Songs, yeah.
0: <laughs> and we could we could do another episode on trilogy if you wanted to. This this is it, it's it's it's. I think there was a bigger budget behind it. I think it sounds better. I think the songs are just better composed. You know, they're just better songs, right? Obviously, you have Inve's guitar playing, but songs like you don't remember, I'll never forget, Liar, Queen and Love. I mean, the first three songs on the album you're talking about three classic Ingve tracks, right, back to back to back. They're just phenomenal tracks. Uh, to say nothing of how it ends with uh, the, the the lengthy uh, instrumental trilogy suite, which is another one of his classic tracks. It's a great yeah. album, um, different different than Marching Out. Obviously, that's with Mark Bowles on vocals, and I think by that point, I think the Money Machine was a little bit behind the album, and I think that that's part of the part of what you're hearing on Trilogy.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like, I think that um, I think that that's definitely the case, and I think that because of that marching out, I feel like has a little bit of, of charm to it because of that kind of older sound to it. And it's a little more raw. I think is Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I have to say like, if I had just listened to it that one time on Monday and, and, and called it a day, I don't think that I would have been as, uh, as positive about it. But I think that, you know, I think we were discussing last week, like songs that are, are growers. Um, I feel like this whole album was a grower for me, Um, but, uh, you know, I ended up really enjoying it. It's something I'll definitely go back to listening to again, and it makes me want to dig in a bit more in some of the other, um, especially uh, 80s-era Ingve albums, Um, because, you know, while I'm familiar with the... Most of the songs that would end up on the collection that came out in 1991, I mean, that was kind of... The, the uh, Pretty much how I knew ingvay songs from the 80s was off of that album. So anything beyond those songs, I'm not super familiar with. Um, so it would be kind of nice to go back and listen to Trilogy and, and Odyssey and, and try to see what else I might enjoy from ingvay that I wasn't aware of. You know, a lot like uh, I did with Disciples of Hell, which I'm going to Pick as my my uh, track of the week. such a cool song to kind of it's just it's part of the the, what's fun about doing this is kind of discovering these songs that have been sitting in front of my face for all these years and and kind of discovering it or rediscovering it or whatever or just learning to appreciate it for the first time so um yeah that that would uh that pretty much be uh my sum of, of marching out have you ever seen him live i never have It's, 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 it's something to behold a couple of
0: things. He's, I think he's known for taking the guitar and kind of swinging it around his neck, which is something to see, but he also like drop kicks picks into the crowd, like they're water. I mean, he's just kicking these things out literally like, uh, like Mr. Perfect used to swat the gum. He swats the pick with his foot. It is, it is, it is, it is something to behold. I, I wanted to just mention one quick story. I've seen him a couple of times, but the one show that I will never forget was this was in December of 2000. He had been opening on uh, the at the time war to end all wars was was the album that he was kind of touring for. And he opened up for Dio uh, on a tour and, and they came to New York City. And I was expecting one thing. And this is kind of the days before the internet was really up on the on the on the news, if you will. All of a sudden, this lineup of musicians comes out, and I just was not expecting what I saw. And and by that, I mean the singer was Jorn Land, who I was a huge fan of in Beyond Twilight. And this was before ARK was even on my radar. So Jorn Land comes out and sings, and the rest of the backing band was what would wind up becoming ARK. Matt's Allison on keyboards, Randy Coven on bass, and John Macaluso on drums. Ingve, I guess, had some sort of a uh, falling out, if you will, with uh, Mark Bowles and some of the other, I guess it was really Mark Bowles because the other three guys were on War to End All All Wars. They bring in Yorn to kind of fill in for the rest of the tour. So I got to see Ingve Malmsteen play guitars for ARK doing all Ingve songs. And it was something I'll never forget because I'm a huge ARK fan. And then uh, shortly after the tour, they they all left the band. So, you know, just and then it was on to the next on to the next group but uh really fascinating stuff and, and one of those shows that I'll just never forget
1: and I won't remember yeah <laughs> um, Matt so Matt's Olson I believe was yen's replacement um, in in Ingve's band for his, and he he would he was be the, for a long time yeah, yeah he was keyboard player for quite some time with Ingve. Uh, but um I mean uh, just quickly like the just going through the the, the singers, that Ingve ha- has um employed on his albums I mean Joelin Turner Jeff Scott Soto Mike Vessera uh, Goran Edman who a lot of people uh would call Ingve's best singer um, I love his voice yeah I uh,
0: sucker for his voice and, and I, I,
1: yeah yeah what's great is that he like he f- he's found these guys that like they're they're all totally different type vocalists uh one of my favorites is Mats Levin, who um I believe is in Candlemass now. Um, And he was also in Therion at a time. Um, I mean, some of my all-time favorite metal vocalists have done uh, work with with Yngwie Malmsteen. and, And like you said at the beginning of the show, it's kind of funny how now his vocalist is himself and he's easily the worst singer out of all those people we just met it's not yeah even... uh,
0: objectively he's been on the last three albums and ironically enough the, the timing being what it is he released a new single um i think it was earlier today i believe it pr- premiered earlier today wolves at the door good song but i can't but when you have when you've worked with a who's who of vocalists i i can't stand hearing him sing and it's just i i just almost refuse to listen to it because i listen to the single and i'm like yeah it's a good song but i just think of any one of these other guys singing it or any of the other you know talented vocalists that are out there and i think of what could otherwise be you know and it's just uh i don't know it's just it it, i i kind of stopped listening to him the last you know you know definitely the last three albums he started on uh I guess it was 2012 was the, was his first release as a singer. And then after that, I just literally just stopped listening and I haven't picked up his stuff since.
1: Yeah. Same with me. Like I just, I think at a certain point it just becomes derivative uh, as far as I'm concerned. It's just kind of like, all right, you know, you've heard one NingVay album, you've heard them all. Um, and, and, and there's so many of them. It's just kind of like, you know, we get it. Um, so with that I I'd like to know what what are you rating this album on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh I to me it, it's an 8.0. I mean it's not my favorite thing in the world but it, it's 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 very good I think. Um I think it's it's solid. Definitely it's, worth listening to.
0: It's a 7 for me. Uh the the fact that I'll see the light tonight is on here kind of bumps it up a half point for me. And the fact that I discovered Anguish and Fear really uh get gets it up to a seven. Otherwise, it was looking at a six point five. And by that, I mean I, I to me that's an average score, right? Like anything above uh, anything above a seven is, is 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 pretty good stuff. Anything below that is pretty poor. Um so to me it's just an average album um with with a couple of standout tracks. Not a bad score, just not, not not nothing. I would nothing I would rave about, um, and, and I think that's pretty much Inve right. Like, but all, what I would say is, if you get the chance, definitely check them out live, just to just to see the. It, it's an experience more than anything else.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely I bought. Um, I had to get the uh, there's a J- a Japanese uh, show that he put out on DVD, and and because I am such a big fan of of uh, Mike Vessera and the time that he was uh, in the band, especially on Seventh Sign. You know that they, they had released um, uh, it was a DVD from that tour. So getting to see Mike Vessera in his uh, bicycle shorts and leather jacket, um, he looks like Al Snow. It's the weirdest thing, but um, <laughs> just getting to hear him sing some of the classic songs from Seventh Sign and then some of the throwback tunes from back in the day. Um, that was just something I really uh, couldn't resist buying. So um, I have to see that. I've never I've never seen any live stuff with with Vessera. I'm curious to see that myself. Yeah, well, uh, we we can watch it the next time we uh, we get together because uh, it's. I mean, I think I don't think I ever sat down and watched the whole thing. I just kind of skipped to some of the songs that I really wanted to hear because, like I said before, like my knowledge of Inge's songs is pretty surface level. But um, it, it's it's cool to see. Uh, it's it's I, I love that some of these bands that were around in the '80s are going out of their way to convert some of these old VHS releases. Uh, similar to what Dream Theater did with their, um, you know, their Tokyo VHS and their five years in a lifetime VHS and, uh, you know, Royal Hunt did it too. But, you know, just some of these things that, you know, who's got a VCR hooked up these days. So it's kind of cool to get some of these transfers uh, and being able to to watch them on in DVD. I mean, not the greatest quality in the world, but I mean, definitely better than an old, you know, bootleg
0: no question. I, uh, like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing it. And uh, I guess with that, we'll put a bow on Yngwie Malmsteen's, uh, Yngwie Malmsteen's marching out. Uh, next week was, was going to be your choice, and, and I look forward to hearing what you're going to choose. But unfortunately, we're going to push it back a week because uh, I, I, got, I wanted to kind of give something a little bit special. I had mentioned uh, last year that one of my favorite music releases was an EP by the band Wolverine. And it was really more than an EP because it was actually not just – the audio recording, but also a, a, a movie that went along with this piece of music. Uh, next Monday, uh, in lieu of your choice, uh, we're going to actually have a conversation with some of the guys from Wolverine to talk about this release. It's it's re- it's getting released uh, digitally on the 14th of May. Uh, they had released obviously the the the, the EP, the audiovisual EP. On YouTube, but now they're actually releasing it for sale digitally. So I thought it would be a very timely release to have the, this come out on the 14th, and for us to kind of put some stuff out related to it the following week. And then obviously it'll be your choice after that. So I'm 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 going to hijack things for a week just to push things back because of, of the timeliness of the the Wolverine EP coming out.
1: That's okay. I needed another week to figure out what I was going to pick, anyway. So there you go. There it, it you go. Works, so time, timing couldn't work any better.
0: Um, but with that, we look forward to some. Uh, we're, we're definitely going to change the pace up with Wolverine next week, and then we'll we'll come back in two weeks with uh, with another pick from you.
1: Yeah, uh, we had the we had the uh, the pleasure of sponsoring Wolverine when they played um, at Prague Power. So I'm sure we'll we'll get to talk a little bit about that and and. Um, and hopefully get to discuss uh, their experience coming to the U S and playing. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to to talking to them and, um, it's, it's been cool. Like doing some of these, these interviews, I really, really enjoyed, uh, speaking to Jack and Adrian, uh, last week. And, uh, I just wanted to say thanks to, to them for, um, reposting our post and getting the word out there that the episode was released. But, um, it, it's it's always cool to get the uh the artist's point of view because you know we're just uh we're just two guys with two ears each that just sit down and listen to it but i mean who better to, to tell you about uh you know where a lot of the the inspiration comes for this stuff than from the the horse's mouth itself so um you know looking forward to that very cool and and uh you know my just from meeting those guys, I can tell you they're uh, some of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. So I definitely look forward to, to speaking with them.
0: Yeah, and this is a, the, the 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 EP called "The Darkened Sun" was a very um, a, a very poetic piece in a number of ways, and and without kind of spilling the beans too much. It's just something that uh, bears a further discussion once you listen to it because there's a lot going on here. And I think that, uh, to your point, no nobody better to hear it from than, than the horse's mouth themselves. So we look forward to that and we'll bring you some of that content the following week. And then that'll give you another chance to – another week to, to figure things out on your end and figure out what we're going to listen to um, towards the end of the month.
1: Yeah, and we, we definitely uh, – we plan on actually uh, seeing each other in person in the near future. So um... – we might be able to maybe get an extra bonus episode in the can that we can uh, put out there at some point. We got a lot of uh, ideas that we've been floating around and so uh, should be fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, a a lot of good stuff planned. I mean, like we said before, there's no shortage of albums to talk about so we could, you know see ourselves doing this for a long time to come yeah looking forward
0: to it and uh keep the keep the suggestions coming and uh obviously interact with us because we we like hearing from you so uh with that we'll put a bow on yngwie we'll come back next week uh with some wolverine and we'll go from there enjoy your week
1: bud i'll talk to you soon you too take care